You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Let's uh, get right into the final part of this message on fear this morning. I gave you some of the reasons why, uh, or some of the strategies for overcoming fear uh, last week, and uh, I'm going to pick back up there and uh, give you a few more, and then I want to I want to talk to you about one particular area of fear that I think uh, really hits us as a church, as a, as a corporate body, um, and maybe see what, uh, what God would say to us concerning this area uh, of church life and what we might be able to do uh, to help uh, overcome some of that, okay? So would you just uh, join with me and let me pray uh, for a moment here this morning. God, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather Thank you that you are our God. Thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to die for our sins. Thank you for the resurrection, the power of the resurrection that is at work in us. Thank you that we have the ability through Jesus Christ uh, to do all things that you call us to do. And uh, thank you that our lives can give you glory and honor, can have purpose and meaning, can be fulfilling and rich, can be fun and wonderful through Christ Jesus. So let your word penetrate our hearts today. Open our minds that we might have clarity to understand your word. Uh, Open our hearts as well so that we may be able to hear that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit speak to each of us. And uh, let me, as the voice today, decrease in order that you may increase through me. And may you get the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We ended last week talking about this idea of when we feel afraid uh, that that is really the time that we need to, to maybe look at our own lives internally and confess whatever sin and issues are there and kind of clean our hearts before God, um, get away from this idea that we're holding something that needs to be punished or needs to be reckoned with and become very open to the pure love of God. And uh, we, we, we ended right there. So I'm going to talk about, uh, about three or four more things today that you can do to, I believe, help uh, with fear and uh, overcoming it. But I want to begin by taking us back to one of the scriptures that we read last week and the week before, and that's Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning with verse 7. And I'd like to just springboard from there this morning. All right, we're talking about the goodness of God as well as overcoming this aspect or this struggle that we have with our own lives called fear. All right, it says in Jeremiah chapter 17, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. All right, verse 8. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. All right? Um, I want to kind of challenge us today to see that we are able to go through and and live through and walk through, however you want to say it, um, some of the adversities of life that want to and do make us feel very fearful. Some of those things that, that are struggles, and some of them may be ongoing kinds of struggles, things that you have sort of fought or battled or wrestled with uh, maybe most of your life or a large portion of your life. But some of them may be new things. They may be surprises that come along the way. They may be experiences that just suddenly happen in your life. But in the midst of that circumstance, in the midst of that 
particular type of trouble or adversity that you're going through, you begin to feel the spirit of fear uh, coming upon you or, or trying to, to live in you. It's trying to dwell within you. It's trying to, to you know, take habitat in you. It's trying to, to call you its home. And uh, it wants to live with you. It wants to dwell with you. It wants to be your constant companion. And maybe that's the way you feel about a, a long period of life, that there's always been this certain level of fear or this, this certain amount of fear that's always just been there. You know, it's like, it's like in this shadow. It's over in that closet, but you know it's there. And every once in a while, it manifests or it shows itself in a really big way. And we don't, we don't want to buy into the belief that we have to have that, that we, we have to invite that stranger in or we have to allow that... That, that fear, that spirit to come into our lives and to dwell there and to remain there, all right? Because I don't believe that's what God is telling us at all in His Word. And so we've, we've been trying to talk about that along the way here. And so what we want you to understand today is that you are able to go through some of these places. You're able to go through some of these situations in life and do that without caving in to fear. And then you're much like this particular passage of Scripture is talking about today. Even when the, the heat comes, even when the scorching sun, so to speak, bears down on your life, you're, you're still able to flourish. You're still, your leaves don't wither. You don't, you don't dry up, you know. Um, Jeannie does a wonderful job of doing things around the building to make it look much nicer. This has probably been the most challenging year of her life doing that because we constantly have been tearing out a wall or, or, or repainting something. And, and it, I, I would be so frustrated because Jeannie paints walls that she painted already, you know, but, but now they have to be a different color, you know, or they have to, 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 something else has to be done, or we just get an idea about something and say, we think this would be great, and, and Jeannie just accommodates those, those kinds of things, and one of the nice things she does is she puts plants around sometimes, and in, in the spring she always puts two big plants out by the door, and we get to watch those plants grow and change and all of that. The amazing thing is that it was sort of a hot summer, and so I would come in some days and I would know Jeannie had come and watered the plants because they would be perky and they would be flourishing. And there were days when I knew Jeannie didn't come and water the plants because all the leaves were wilted down. You know, they, they looked terrible. They, they looked as though they were dead. And especially the trees, you know, the trees had those beautiful kind of peachy, orangey colored uh, blossoms on them. And, uh, and they are double ones, I found out, from Jeannie. So that makes them even better. You know, they're, they're more beautiful because they're doubles and they're full and all of that kind of stuff. Things that I wouldn't know unless I talked to Jeannie about. But the interesting thing is that when the heat was coming on... They didn't seem to bud as much. They didn't seem to bloom as much. And the ones who were, the buds that were there, they bloomed quickly in the heat and then they were gone. You know, they fell off. And you'd see the, the, the kind of withered and brown flower laying on the cement. And sometimes they were flat because somebody had walked by and stepped on them, you know. I just thought there were a lot of parallels there that I could, you know, pull from with life uh, in, in teaching and, and preaching God's word. And I thought often of that as I was studying for this and how much I could see uh, those plants when they would just wither under the scorching heat and they would look so different. They were not attractive at all. Uh, and I felt sorry for them, <laughs> even as little plants. I, I, you know, I'm not a compassionate person, but I was like, ooh, that looks bad. You know, that, that's, that's got to be awful. 
uh, and I would go water them, you know, and, 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 it would, and, and they would come right back out. This is amazing, the resilience of these plants that she put in this pot and how they would just come back out. I, I gave the trees about 10 days. I thought, those are going to last about 10 days around here, you know, and, and they're still out there, you know. And, and so yesterday, um, they looked a little bit rough yesterday morning because it was a little bit chilly. They looked really bad early this morning because it's so cold out. What am I saying? I'm saying that there are things that come into our lives that affect us the same way the weather affects affects a plant. All right? But Jesus, uh, the scriptures, uh, say that through Christ, we are able to weather storms. We're able to go through things. All right? So let me just, let me kind of use that as a base right here and and, and talk for a a few minutes here. All right? Let me give you uh, a few more things here that will help you to to flourish. It will help you to, to grow. And it will help you to to uh, weather the scorching heat of adversities in your life, maybe, and will help you to not be fearful in the midst of these things. And I think that this is one of the biggest things that, that we struggle with, is this idea of fear, okay? So here's what I want to say today, and I think this next one is, uh, that we're going to talk about today is really huge for us, and that is that I think that, that it, it's important that you and I not be afraid of being vulnerable with God. All right, and we talked a little bit about this one last week. Uh, we just we just touched on it, but I want to come back and really talk about it for a moment here. I, I believe the Lord wants or is willing to let you and I find ourselves in places where we need to be delivered. And I know that's hard to, to say. And to hear sometimes when you think about God is such a good God and you want people to see God is such a good God and a great God. And, but this idea that God would never allow you to go through a difficulty or never allow you to go through an adversity smacks his sovereignty. All right. And, and we already talked about the sovereignty of God and the need to fear God in the sense of, of holy reverence and respect and honor for the greatness of God as God creator in our lives. And so this great God who created the heavens and the earth and set the stars in order and the moon and the sun and all these kinds of things and created you and I and formed us in the wombs of our mothers before we were even known by our mothers. This great God who knows all the intricacies about our lives will sometimes allow you and I to be put in vulnerable situations. And they will feel very much that way. But I believe that you and I need to go through some of these kinds of things because I think that once in a while God actually wants us to stick our neck out for Him. I believe that there are times and moments when God doesn't want you to play it safe. (laughs) If that were the case, you probably wouldn't be in this church. It's a little bit risky sometimes to, to follow God. And I think sometimes what God asks of us feels risky to us. It feels very vulnerable to us. David wrote in Psalm 27, verses 1 and 2, he says this about the Lord. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And then he asks this question, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Second question, of whom shall I be afraid? There's something about understanding our adversities and the circumstances of life that we're going through, but there's something more about understanding this God who is with us as we go through them. 
And David's beginning to, to capture this insight and apply it to his life. And he's understanding this greatness of God, this bigness of God. And he's saying, all right, because of the Lord, not because of my circumstance, but because of my Lord. He is my light. He is, he is that that opens the way for me to see where I am to go. He is my light. He is my salvation. He's my, my hope and my strength and my deliverer and all of this. So... Who should I be afraid of? Who should I fear? And I think that, that you and I, when we begin to open our eyes to this bigness, this greatness of God, all right? That's important for us. Now, let's translate that over to the idea of sharing our faith for a moment. Telling someone about Jesus, if you will. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses, it begins verse 14, and I think we'll go through about 16. Even if you should suffer for what is right, as a Christian, as a believer, you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they, the world, fears. Do not be frightened, if you will. All right, verse 15. But in your hearts, and, and this is where this whole series is going, it's all about issues of the heart, isn't it? It's all about the, the things in our heart that, that we wrestle with. In your heart, set apart Christ as your Lord. Start Start here. All right? And this is in no way saying check your brains at the door. This is in no way saying you, you shouldn't consider, you shouldn't understand, you shouldn't study, you shouldn't grow, you shouldn't mature. It's not saying that, that you cut your head off and just, just get thrown at whatever's in front of you. No. But there's, there's something that needs to happen, and that is that Jesus needs to become Lord of our heart, Lord of our emotions, Lord of, of, of that, the issues of life that are coming out of us. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect, verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. There's two things going on in this passage, and the ultimate obvious thing is that we need to be sharing. We need to be prepared and ready to share. If, if we're being prepared and we're ready to share, then obviously God is going to give us opportunity to do that. There's going to be situations where you're going to encounter someone in a dialogue or, or in some kind of relationship in your sphere of influence, and there's going to be a point where, in all likelihood, you're going to need to give a defense of your faith of your belief system, all right? So you need to be prepared for that. You need to study. You need to, to get yourself equipped. That's the reason that we do discipleship in Life Church, And we're going to be announcing soon the next uh, phase of discipleship. Very excited about that, all right? Because that is going to help equip you and to give the answers that you need to give, all right? And so you need to be prepared to give that answer. But there's something else that's going on in this passage that's very subtle here. And there's this understanding that you're going to be spoken ill of. There are going to be people who are not going to like what you're, what you're advocating, what you're bringing to the table, what you are proposing to them to, to receive and to believe and to live out in their lives. And they're going to be resistant. Some maybe will be ugly to you. All right? That is, that is going to happen. But, but the encouragement for you and I is that Jesus is with us. And so we are not to fear these situations. We're not to be afraid in these adversities, if you will, that are going to come our way. 
Now, not all your adversities is due to the fact that you share the gospel. We understand that, okay? All right? And some of the adversities that come into your life, you can't do anything about them coming. You can't, you can't prevent them from coming. Folks, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is filled with sin. And because of that, we're going to find ourselves in personal struggles and we're going to find ourselves being, if you will, even afflicted by the struggles of others. But in no way are we to be inhibited or paralyzed or shut down by the things that are going on around us and even internally because of the spirit of fear. We are to be confident. We are to be courageous. We're to be bold. We're to be at peace. We're to be encouraged. We're, we get this from God and from one another. Okay, let's go on. David wrote in uh, Psalm 23, verses 4 through 6, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. All right? I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Again, there's this relationship that is constantly being announced, constantly being threaded through the Scriptures, that God is with us. He shall be called. He will be born. He shall be called. Speaking of Jesus, He shall be born on this earth and He shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. God presents that to us through the birth of Jesus Christ. And now, having sent the Holy Spirit to us, He continues to, to, to join us in our life and in our walk. All right? And we're comforted by the Holy Spirit. We're, we're built up and encouraged by the Word and by the Spirit and by the fellowship, by one another. So, we're constantly seeing this thread of this relationship of God with us. Okay? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I am constantly being taken care of. The interesting thing here, though, is that he is not saying, I will take you out of this valley. He's not promising you an immediate exit. He's not promising you an immediate escape. Though I walk through the valley... So there are times when there are circumstances, adversities that will come against me that I will feel like being afraid because there probably are a lot of unknown factors involved in that place that I am in. I don't like to go to strange places that I don't know something about. I love technology. I love the age that we're living in. When I travel, I like to get on TripAdvisor. I like to go to other websites. I like to figure out everything that's there. I like to see the pictures. I like to read what other people have said about it. I like all this information that helps me to feel like I already know this place. It's not unfamiliar or strange to me. I really enjoy that. And I think we as human beings have a tendency to like to know what's going on. And we like to know what's out there in front of us. We like to know what's coming at us. We want to be prepared for that. We want to, we want to be ready for those kinds of things. We don't, we don't enjoy the unknowns. And so many people hesitate when they have to go through these difficult places, all right? And they allow themselves to, to enter into things like depression or isolation or frustration or anger or resentment or whatever rather than taking a hold of God and letting God walk with them through, them, through these things and learn from what they're doing. Other people who don't necessarily hesitate, they look for a detour. You know, how can I get around this? How can I get around this place where God is allowing me to go or where God is actually even taking me? How do I circumvent this? How do I move around? And what's happening there, folks, when we do that, is we're actually stepping outside of the will of God. We're moving outside of God's 
plan. I remember once I was going through a very, very difficult situation. And I had a person involved in my life who was, was over me. And I, I, I may have shared this before with you in, in, in a service. But I, I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle what I was seeing. I couldn't handle what I was experiencing. A very ungodly leader who was constantly telling me how much he was a believer, but was living very, very different from Scripture and was very, very abusive individual. And I had had some, some wounds from abuse in my childhood. And so this person was triggering those kinds of things constantly. You know, every time there was something going on that I could see it, it, you know, and experience it by being present to it, it would trigger something in my heart and I would, it, it would send me spiraling and I would be, I would have anxiety and I would have some, you know, I would just be sour on, on my job and my career and everything. And finally, I just said, God, please, I can't do this. I don't want to be here. I don't like this. I, this is ugly. This is not you. Why am I here? Why is there not some door opening for me so that I can move on? I want to serve you. I want to do this. I, I, I want to follow you. I, it, this is so hard for me. And I, I literally cried at night as a grown adult man. I was crying and, and crying out to God. And God said to me, if you will, if you will stay here, if you will stay here, I, I really felt that I heard God say this in my heart. You know, it was just an impression there. But it was like God was saying to me, if you will stay here, I will teach you so much more about what not to do than what to do. And you will learn from me. But this is what I heard God say then. But if you want out, I'll make a way. What do you do with that? I want it out so bad. But deep in my gut, not in my head, in my gut, I knew if I will stay here and I will go through this place with God, I will be a better pastor. I will be better able to shepherd people and to love them and to get into their lives. See, I didn't want to just be a preacher. I didn't want to just be someone who just shares scripture, but I, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a shepherd. I want to, I want to get around people and around their lives, and I want to understand how they hurt and, and how they feel, and I want to be able to encourage them and, and lead them to Jesus. And so all that I wanted to be, all that I wanted to be about was tied up in this moment of decision. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I will stay. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was a long haul. It was a while. It was a while. And I remember the day that he, he allowed me. He said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I was so thrilled. I was so thrilled. But I looked back and I was like, wow, wow. Look at what I would have missed. Look at what I would have not acquired had I not obeyed and, and followed through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me and God was with me. I could have detoured around that and I would have missed God completely. 
in, in my life had I done that. So I want to challenge you and I, all right? Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. So just a passage I want to just throw out there and give to you as you're going through difficult things. Because lots of times we hesitate and we'll get our own plans. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a moment. But, but this is, is, I think, one of the, the great passages that I, I love when I'm fighting a battle. What then shall we say in response to this, all of this about God, God's love, uh, for us, okay, what shall we, how shall we respond to all of this? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And there's all this list of all of these things that, that, that might try to separate us or possibly could. But he says, what shall we say then in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I don't, I don't want you to misinterpret this. And I don't want to mislead you here. This isn't saying that no one's ever going to come against you if you follow God. All right? And I, I've sat with people and they're saying, Pastor, but this is what the Bible says. It says, no one's going to mess with me if God is, is for me. Said, no, that's not what it's saying. But you need to understand, God's assuring you that no one can prevail. No one can prevail against you. Doesn't mean that stuff isn't going to happen. It does. It will. It's going to. All right? And once in a while I get flack for saying statements like I'm about to say, but I say them anyway because I want you to have balance here, all right? You can positively confess all day long, but there is still some stuff going to come into your life. Make no mistake about it. The issue isn't that it's going to come or not. It's going to come. The issue is how do you go through it? How do you grab a hold of God and how do you appropriate the promises and the goodness of God and then go through these things? And your promise is that if God is for you, who can prevail against you? No one. No one. God's love will carry you through. Next point. You and I may be, we may be particularly conditioned to take threats, criticisms, frightening situations and personalize them. I want you to learn as a Christian, as a believer, to how to objectively Offer up all your fears to the Lord. I want you to look at your life and look at your circumstances in a very objective way. And don't personalize everything, all right? And what I mean is I I want you to allow God to become bigger than the problem that you're going to face. All right? Or the problem that you are currently facing, all right? Sometimes you just need to develop some thick skin, so to speak, against the, 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 the attack of the enemy. All right, but let me tell you what, the enemy is a sleuth, all right? He, he's kind of smart, even though he's totally stupid, all right? He's smart about his ways, but he still hasn't got it that in the end we win. <laughs> he's still determined to try to destroy it in any way he can. A thief comes to kill, steal, destroy. And that is sort of the progression. If he can steal your confidence... All right? And he can kill your faith. He will destroy your soul in the process. So I want you to, I want you to develop this kind of thick skin. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18. Stand firm. <laughs> I love that. Stand firm. Stay, stay positioned. All right? Put your feet down and Stay where you are, all right? With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all of this, and this is where I want to land here, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all, not a few, not part, not one, not the biggest, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Whatever the evil one is bringing against you, you can extinguish it. But it's going to require you seeing God bigger than that circumstance, bigger than that situation. You need a big shield sometimes. And you know what? You need some of your brothers and sisters around you because their faith will help you as well. I was listening to a a historian talk about some of the battles fought back in the days when these passages were written, when Christ was on earth. And he said that some of the warriors had very large shields. Their shields were almost as big as they were. And that the unique thing about them was that some of those shields, for, for some of the warriors, actually would interlock. So like, the warrior would carry his shield, and he had, you know, handles on the inside of his shield. He would carry his shield, all right? But sometimes they would, they would make a formation, and when they did, each warrior would lock his shield with the other. So it became like a wall. And so as they moved, and as they moved forward, they were moving a wall, if you will. And they were at the front line. And the intent was that they were the, the wall against the arrows of the enemy coming. And the rest of the warriors were behind them. And they were following behind them. And at a decisive moment, when they got at the place they needed to be, they would unhook, so to speak, and they would move apart. And then the other warriors would come through in surprise and capture or defeat the enemy. We've got to see God bigger. Some of you, you're walking around with a little shield like this. Because this is the size your Bible is. Well, here's, I got my shield. I got my faith. I got the word. Yeah. You know. And then all of a sudden you stand up and. The enemy comes with this horde of arrows and he gets you on all sides. Because you didn't see God big enough. Big enough to come against the, the things that are out there. The amazing thing about the enemy, not sides, maybe I shouldn't say it's amazing, but one of the unfortunate things about the enemy is he's able to make things way bigger than they are. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the best at it. And so he will take a circumstance and he will blow it up so that it's just huge. And what we do, unfortunately, is we cower under that bigness of what what is perceived. And it rules. All right? It rules. And it, it, it actually hides our vision, if you will, to see God as big as we need to see him. So I hope that you will get to this place where you, you are able to quench these fiery darts of the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And we know what a great man the Apostle Paul was in terms of uh, establishing the early church. Okay, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
That is so challenging, isn't it? If I'm going to boast, first of all, I want to find the things that are big about me. <laughs> I want to find my, my strengths. I want to find my abilities, my gifts. And I want to go there and boast. Because you know what? I'm pretty confident about those. I know those can get me somewhere. Those are the things I rely on to make me look good, to make me feel good about myself, to accomplish what I want to do. I don't like looking at my weaknesses. They make me feel even weaker. <laughs> and yet Paul says, there's something that happens here though when I am looking at these weaknesses, I grow in my dependence on my God who is bigger. So get this, folks. It's time to stop letting our weaknesses move us away from God and make us smaller. It's time for those weaknesses to pull us towards God. I ask my wife sometimes, you know, why do you depend on me? And here's, here's why I ask that question. I know me. Knowing me, I wouldn't depend on me. Because I know my weaknesses. I see all the ugly in me. She doesn't see. And she says, because I need you. I could never do this life alone. I commend every single mama in this room. And dad. Oh my goodness. What, what you have to deal with and what you have to take. How much more you need God. I just, I admire you. I, I, I really do. My wife needs me. The truth is, I need her. I did not marry my wife because I wanted to protect her. Please understand that. I did not marry my wife because I wanted to die to myself and be a sacrifice like Jesus is for the church. They talked about that in our wedding ceremony and I was like, What? Don't say that in my wedding. I'm not there. You know? I married her because I was a high-need person. I needed somebody. I, I, I fully believed. My wife believed it too, actually. <laughs> One night I said, Honey, why did you marry me? I thought she was going to say something really wonderful. And she looked at me and she goes, We were laying in bed. It was late one night. She goes, I thought I could help you. My wife knows the truth. All right. She lives there. My grace is sufficient, he says to Paul, for whatever you're going through. Now, if you have some time this afternoon, go back and read some of the life of Paul and see what he went through. If anybody could have been afraid, Paul could have been afraid. All right, let's move on. Here's a really big one. I think you need to rework your perceptions about ideal circumstances. Things don't have to always be perfectly safe, folks. We would like them to be. We want them to be, all right? We got to learn that, you know, there are a lot of cycles in life and there are a lot of times to be tearful, to, you know, and to be cautious and to be concerned and things like that. 
but I don't think they're as many as, as, as we think they are, all right? I, and and here's, here's, this is going to smack some of your theology as well, all right? I think that there are times when the Lord actually allows conditions to get worse so He can make us better. Whew. See, and some of us, we just magnify scary situations out of proportion. We, we need to resist the temptation to overreact to things. How many times have you heard someone when, when, when the church casts vision? Oh, we can't do that. You know, someone gets an idea about, let's, in, their, in their life group or in their, their prayer group, hey, we should do this. Oh, we, could not, we can't do that. Why? Because we are afraid that something is going to happen. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know, but something will happen. Something could happen. And so we live out of this kind of fear that inhibits us. We talked early on about the spies going into the land. The bad report was way bigger than the good report. And it paralyzed to a degree. It inhibited Israel from going as they should. Having the confidence and, and the boldness and the courage that they needed. And it, it filtered in and out of the whole of Israel very quickly. There are times when we see the life of Israel. And we see how fear gripped them. Oh, oh, we can't go up on the mountain and worship God. Oh, no, we'll just stay here in our doorways and we'll watch from a distance and you just go. Fearful, inhibited, paralyzed. Folks, we're not going to we're not going to do everything that God has called us to do in this church, in life church, in the way that He has called us to do it if we are living out of fear. We have got to be people of great faith. So I'm going to ask you to begin to rethink your hardships, rethink your difficulties, and, and begin to believe that you and I are able to endure whatever fearful circumstances God brings our way because His strength and His love and His courage is enough for us. His grace is sufficient for us. And you and I, I want to challenge us that we begin to reckon ourselves dead to the feelings of our own selfish desires, especially the desire to control every situation. And I want to be honest with you, you got to help me with that one. <laughs> I want to be in control. When we moved from the school in the south of Sioux Falls, in that very comfortable, lovely new school, out there in that nice residential section, affluent section of Sioux Falls... I was the one who was dragging my foot. No, I don't want to go down there because we can never grow down there. As if down there was some bad place. I don't think any of you will ever understand what God has done in my heart. And I'm not bragging here. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed 
at the change of my own heart about this city. Because I wanted to grow and I wanted to have a nice church that was down on that end of town and that is prominent because I wanted to be able to say, look at Pastor Bill. He's, he is finally a successful pastor. He's got a nice big church and it looks good. It's pretty. I have to be careful because now God has caused me to really not like pretty. Well, here's why. He's taken me to the cross in a very fresh way. And fresh isn't like fresh baked out of the oven. Fresh is fresh like raw and real. And I've seen the cross. And I've seen what Jesus did for me. And I've begun to understand something. And that is that whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I want to share Jesus. And I want you and I. Shoot. I want you and I to just obey God. Just, just do it, you know. Just, I don't know what to say to you right this moment. I just don't know what to say I just want us to be the extension of Christ. I just want us to be God. And I don't want us to be afraid. You know, there's some research. It says 77% of everything that we think is negative and counterproductive and works against us. You know, that is not comforting to me. Uh, I'm a positive person. Um, you know, it, it, the, the research said that people who grow up in an average household hear the word no and are told what they can't do more than 148,000 times by the time they reach 18. And the result of that is what is called unintentional negative programming. <laughs> so your first response, you know, first responders are the ones first on the scene, you know, and have to make the critical judgments and triage and make the call, all right? So your first, your, your first sense of responding, your most critical moment when something is put before you by God, if you are unintentionally negatively programmed, is going to be, no, <laughs> I can't do that. It's not good. That won't work, Whatever. Could, could we come to a place with God, the God who says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and could we begin to live some intentional positive programming? That wasn't in the, 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 the research that I was looking at. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they just don't do that or, or what, but maybe we could. Maybe we could by by building our faith and encouraging one another and stepping out and, and trusting God more and, and, and understanding the things that cause us fear and overcoming them, can we, can we intentionally, positively program, if you will, ourselves to say yes to God? To do that, one last thing here. You've got you to process some of these fearful feelings 
And you've got to understand that God is not intending to kill you. <laughs> God is not intending to make your life bad. God is not intending to mess you up that way. God, God I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans not to harm you. We have something from God that is a promise that is eternal and everlasting and secure. And He will help us to do what we do not believe we can do ourselves. In James it says, when you encounter these various trials, James chapter 1, I think it begins at verse 2. When you encounter uh, these trials, consider it joy. <laughs> consider it joy. It doesn't say if you do or there's a possibility you will, but when you encounter them. It's not a matter of whether we have troubles, but when we have troubles, when fears come, when we encounter them, all right, we take joy, all right? Consider that joy as pure from God, all right? It is, it is the gift of God that comes. Jesus says, I count it joy to go to the cross, to die for you, to suffer for you. And he also says, your joy will be full. Pastor Dave's going to unbreak all of that possibly next Sunday because we're going to talk about the issue of joy peace in our heart when John Wesley felt afraid he would just pause to pray and praise God for the fact that he was still on the throne and that he was in heaven he was ruling everything well Wesley wrote these words he said I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that He is still on the throne, reigning over everything, and I take comfort in His control over all the affairs of my life. Whew! That is good. That is good. That's one of your spiritual fathers, all right? And He's left a legacy for you and I. God's given this church, He's given you and I as members and regular tenders of this church the responsibility to reach hurting people. Wendell Winkler, I don't know if you know the name, but he said, we need to tell the church that the church is supposed to be a hospital for the hurting, not a museum for the saved. We've got to understand that the church above all else is for people who have problems, not perfect people. And if you're afraid of problems, you've got to let God do some work in your heart because He's not going to send us perfect people. He's going to send us people with problems. Here's what I've learned about God. Something about God, a, a little, little tiny piece of God. All right, We used to talk about when we were doing a lot of citywide stuff, we talked about, you know, reaching the city. And we learned something about the city. The city is quite diverse. The city is amazingly diverse. Early on, we talked about, you know, going into the world, going to lost nations, you know, going out, sharing the gospel, being missional that way. But we did a lot of talking. We really didn't do any work. We were working with a number of Hispanic people in Life Church at the time. 
And there was a wonderful young lady who was a Spanish pastor. And um, they actually closed their church and started to come to our church. And um, they're now in Worthington, Minnesota. But some of you guys who've been around a long time will, will remember them. And she got up one night and I, I said, I want you to share with the congregation. And she got up one night and I, I wasn't expecting what came from her. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting this. And maybe I wasn't expecting what God was doing in my own heart. But this little Hispanic preacher woman got up and in this most humble way, she took the microphone and she began to, to share with us. And she said, we came here for a better life. We came here for our children. We wanted to, to have a good life. And some of you, you're afraid. Because you think we came here to steal your money. And I was like, oh, my goodness. That's going to make some people unhappy. I'll get some phone calls. Say, I'm worried about me. Wretched man that I am. She said, we just came here because we had a hope for a better life. But our greatest hope is in God. And He will provide for us and take care of us. But here's what you need to understand. God called you to go to the world. And you haven't done that very well. So God has brought the world to you. What will you do with us? It so challenged me into how I looked at people around me. Life Church was out in a good little part of the city that was nice and clean and sweet and together and all of that. And, and I looked at this part of the community, and this is my, my sin, all right? I looked at this neighborhood and went, that's not a good place to, to have a church. That place is not as clean. That place is not as tidy. That place is not as perfect as the other place. As if one part of town has less sin than another. But God brought us down here. He got us down here. And for me, in my heart, God spoke to me. And I believe that this is what God said to me. And I believe it's real. I, I, it's what I perceived in my own heart. But I believe it's real. You wouldn't go to the poor. And you wouldn't go to the hurting. So I brought them to you. I just had to move you a few blocks north to do that. Let me tell you about this church. This church is designed by God. This church is for a single mom, the kind that works two jobs to support her kids. This church is for the drug addict that wants to get free. This church is for the young person that struggles with self-esteem. This church is for the young couple who are living together because they just don't know a better way of life. This church is for the man who doesn't respect his boss and so he steals from him and from his co-workers. This church is for the alcoholic who doesn't know he's ready to get free yet. This church is for the little girl that's prostituting herself with her uncle because she doesn't know any better and is scared to tell the truth. This church is for the kids who 
don't know who their daddy is because he has seven different names and faces. This church is for the people who have been hurt and wounded and dealt a dirty blow in life. This church is for the dirty person that smells. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Would you do me a favor, please? And would you open your heart to the Spirit of the Lord? Would you be honest with your eyes closed for just a moment? And would you picture that person who you know or who you have seen or in some way you've experienced them in some kind of personification uh, or stereotype. But they represent to you the worst person that you would be most afraid of. The one person that you would not want to have to share your life with. Can you picture them? Their face, their body, their clothing or lack thereof, their demeanor, their actions, the kind of things they do or don't do that you like or don't like. Got a good image of that person. I want you to keep looking at them for just a moment. Would you listen to these words, please? Ezekiel chapter 34, God says, Search for the lost. Bring back those that stray away. Put bandages on those that are hurt. Make the weak strong. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Keep looking at that person. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Keep looking at them. Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. Keep looking. The Lord, 2 Peter 3, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Open your eyes. Oh, that's the person God wants to save. That's the person God loves. That's the person God wants to, you to move your car over so they can park here in the best parking spot. That's the person God wants you to give up your seat for. You know, the one you've been sitting in for a hundred years. That's the person that God wants you to change your countenance when they come in the door. And it's awe, not shock and disdain, but awe. Oh my goodness, this might be their day. Because those are the people that life church is for. I've been struggling for a little while because there's a sign on the clock and I can't see what time it is. And I don't know the culprit that put it up there, but doggone it, you're messing with me. Because my heart is in this. I have, I, this is where I live right here. 
This is what makes me get up in the middle of the night. This is what, this is what causes me angst and anguish. I can go out there during the day and laugh and be crazy. I can do the craziest things. I can have fun. I can live on the edge. I can, I can, I can do all that kind of stuff. You all know me that way, hopefully. Oh, I don't want to be two different people here, okay? I, I'm one person. I don't have a duplicity going on here, all right? But I can do that. I can have fun. I can enjoy life. I can be crazy. I can even probably embarrass some of you. All right? And you pray for me. And it, it's great. I'm glad you do. All right? But, but at the end of the day, this is where I land. This is where I come back and think, God, what, did I miss something? Did I miss somebody? What should I have done? This is the place I anguish in. All right? This is the place where I measure us up and we fall short. This is the place where I say there's more to be done. I was going to take you on into... To, to, uh, the, the, the Good Samaritan. Because I, I, don't, I don't think it was religion or, or other such things that kept people from going by and helping that, that beggar on the street, that wounded man on the street. I mean, I think it was fear. And I think fear is underneath a lot of our religion. I didn't say your theology, I said your religion. Okay? And I think there's a lot of things that inconvenience us. And I think there was probably a lot of fear in the Samaritan, the least of the least, the one most suffering from rejection, the one most looked down on, the one most despised. And yet it was the, the Samaritan who went by and helped the man, not only helped him, but took him in to a place and got him a room and said, here, here's some money, here's something he, he gave of himself. And if there's more, I'll make it right later when I come back through. I'm going to check on him. I'll come back through and I'll make, I'll make right whatever needs to be made right. What an amazing story. Blind Bartimaeus is on the side of the road and he's blind and he hears that Jesus is coming by and he shouts out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me! And those around him said, shut up. Who are you? And even the disciples didn't think it necessary for Jesus to stop and, and do whatever needed to be done for blind Bartimaeus. He's got people that will take care of him. you on a mission. you gotta, you got to get to where you got to get to. Because see, they thought he was going to go into Jerusalem, turn everything upside down, take over and create a new kingdom, establish it, and they're all going to be happy, and church is going to be wonderful, and it's going to be great. Shows how clueless they were in their knowledge of who Jesus really was as the Son of God. But he knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to die for sin. He knew that he was going to give a great hope to the world. And so he counted it joy to go. But on the way, there was one more thing he needed to do. And blind Bartimaeus was crying out. And he stops. You ask him what he needs. And Bartimaeus says, I just want to see. I'm giving you my story. I just want to see. And he heals him. And the amazing thing is that Jesus knew exactly where he was going. He was going to the cross. He was going to die. He was going to save the sins of the world. But he knew something. He would never walk that street again. And somehow he felt the heart of Bartimaeus in his cry. And understood that this man wanted more than anything to see. And he stops and he heals him. 
He knew he'd never come that way again. I anguish over people who walk in this door and they never come back. Because I don't know where they are. And I don't know what happened necessarily in this church. This is why we give a gospel call. Because we don't know. We want everyone to have a chance because the scriptures I read to you says, He doesn't want anybody to perish. So with that, I want to challenge you today that you'll let God just do something miraculous in your heart and that we'll not be afraid to do what we have to do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our neighborhood and with our city. That we'll do it. We'll just do it. And we'll let God do whatever he wants to do in this series of issues of the heart to get us there, to heal us so that we can do what we need to do. And do what we need to do. Close your eyes for just a moment one more time. I don't know all of you. I don't know your own heart. But I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you right now to, to just be open. If you would say to me right now, Pastor Bill, I, I'm one of those people. I don't know Jesus. I haven't. I haven't. I didn't realize that I could have that kind of life. I didn't realize that Jesus died for me. I'm just realizing that today. and I want to personalize that. I want a life in Christ. I want to enjoy this life with Him. I want, I want to know Him. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And I, I want to live for, for Jesus. And I want to have this kind of fellowship. And I want to be able to worship. My heart's clean and all that. Then I want you to come and talk to me. I'm going to be up here for just a few minutes. And I, I want you to come and talk to me. For the rest of you today, I would like for you to spend just a moment or two prayerfully before the Lord. I'm not going to ask people to come up today and stand and, and you get prayer, but you can talk to me and we'll set up a time for you to be prayed for this week. If you'd like prayer and prayer ministry and you want to deal with these issues of fear, we will pray with you. We're, we're developing a group of people now in the church just to pray for people and minister to them. We will pray for you. But... Right now, I want it to just be a little quiet. Wade's going to put some instrumental music on for you. And I want you to just spend a few moments with God and let Him speak to your heart. Why are we not, why are we not sharing our faith more? What are the fears that are inhibiting us and paralyzing us and keeping us out? Actually keeping us in. We're not going out. Would you pray and let God speak to your heart for a few moments and deal with that? And then you're free to go. But if you need to know Jesus as your Savior, come and talk to me. I'm going to pray in just a few moments of silent prayer. Then you're dismissed. And I pray you have a blessed week, but I pray that this eats at you and gnaws at you all week long. I pray that it gets us all because we're called to go in the name of Jesus and make disciples. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch our hearts right now and open us to your word, to your truth, to your proclamation. Speak life to us. Give us faith and confidence and hope. Still us so that we can overcome all of the things in our lives that are confronting and afflicting and assailing us.
May we overcome whatever fears inhibit us and paralyze us. And may we say yes to your word to go and make disciples. Do this work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.